I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Yeah, boy, kicking it with Vanilla Ice today on Talk is Jericho. You know what that means. We're going to dig deep into some 90s pop culture, see what I remember, see what he remembers, see what we both remember. We're going to talk about Ice's TV series, The Vanilla Ice Project. The season finale airs Saturday night at 9 p.m. on the DIY Network. That was the fifth season of the VIP. He flips houses. Actually, he flips mansions. And you should see what he does to them. We did this interview right in the middle of one of his brand new flipped houses. He comes in, he renovates them, he sells them, and these houses are the Mac Daddy Yo all the way to the top with Vanilla Ice today. Plus, we're going to remember a great, great man in the wrestling business and a very cool guy in, uh, in general, Dusty Rhodes. He passed away last week. The sadness is over. It's time to remember the fun times about this great, great, legendary performer. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's time to stop, collaborate, and listen because Jericho's back with my brand new invention. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. That's right. Vanilla Ice is in the Talk is Jericho house today. It's Throwback Wednesday, and we're definitely going to talk about the hair, the baggy pants, the running man. Stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with his brand new invention. Plus, you're going to hear about his TV show, The Vanilla Ice Project. Season 5 finale airs Saturday night at 9 p.m. on the DIY Network. It's a huge, huge hit. Ice buys houses, renovates them, and flips them. And wait until you see and hear what he does. We did this interview in the middle of one of his renovated houses, and it was a palace, man. It was a, it was up-to-date, unbelievable palace. had an elevator in it and top-of-the-line everything else. It was very, very cool stuff. Uh, Ice is a great guy. I've been trying to get him for about eight months um, because I met him just briefly on the set of um, what was it called? That show that was on G4 network and it was called attack of the show. 
Man, that was a big brain freeze. Anyways, I ran into Ice at the attack of the show, and we exchanged numbers, I think, or followed each other on Twitter or whatever, and I uh, just hit him up a while back. Do you want to do this show? And we said, we'll try and figure out the right time. I was down in Boca Raton. I took about a 45-minute ride, met Ice at one of his houses, the one that he's renovating right now. The season finale is going to be on the DIY Network on Saturday night, 9 p.m. Super excited to talk to Ice about all things uh, rap music and early 90s. 90s and the ups and downs of show business and of course his amazing amazing show and how he got the the uh cojones and the talents to renovate houses he's a cool guy great guy i'm excited to uh to to hear what he has to say also excited to give some of my memories about dusty Rhodes, uh, a very cool guy that i didn't have a lot of interactions with but i had enough to where um he definitely rubbed off on me in a positive way had a real mutual respect with dusty uh, Dusty passed away a few days ago, I guess last week at some point in time. And it's one of those things where now you hear the stories that maybe Dusty knew that there was something wrong with him, but didn't want to say anything. And there's been a few people that I've talked to who said that they've spoken to Dust over the last few weeks and maybe he uh, was kind of in a roundabout way saying goodbye. But um, my experience with Dusty Rose, like growing up in Canada, I never really saw a lot of him. You know, you would just see what you would see on the, we call them the Aptor magazines, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated and those type of things. So I never got to see a lot of Dusty Rhodes because he was uh, in the NWA or in the later years, WCW. We never got a lot of that. It was all AWA in Winnipeg and then, of course, WWF, WWE, you know, WWE now. So when I first started seeing Dusty Rhodes is when he came into the WWF as the working man, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And they brought him in, um, you know, he was fixing toilets and, you know, he was the son of a plumber and he was the American dream, just a common man. And I really think in retrospect, because uh, he, they brought him in and he was wearing like these giant yellow polka dots on this bodysuit and they put him a sapphire who's just kind of like this middle-aged uh, african-american lady not hot at all and i think the idea was he was just like you know the man of the people most of the people in those days and most of the people now look more like dusty Rhodes than they look like john cena or hulk hogan or, or whatever it may be or chris jericho i'll throw myself in there <laughs> so I think that's why Dusty was able to really click. And I also believe, especially knowing the way that the wrestling business was back in the 80s, that Vince McMahon probably heard so much about this Dusty Rhodes and how great of a baby face he was and how awesome of a, of a performer he was. He probably said, listen, he's such a great baby face. He can get over anywhere, any shape, anyhow. Okay, put him in a polka dot outfit and stick him out there and have him dance. Let's see how much he gets over. And bingo, they put him in a polka dot outfit and he goes out there and dances. And guess what? But dude was over like a mofo. That's when I started really seeing Dusty Rose a lot. And I liked him. You know, obviously, I was always into the more Canadian-style, Calgary-style wrestling. And I loved Dynamite Kid and Owen Hart and Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty and Savage and Steamboat and those type of guys. But there was something about Dusty Rose that I liked because he was entertaining. He was fun to watch. Always did good promos. Had a weird voice. Hey, baby, this is Mac and Three and Dusty Rose. To a point where, like, everybody who comes on this show that's gone through the WWE system, I get them to do a Dusty Rhodes uh, imitation. I could probably put together a great montage of some of the best Dusty Rhodes imitations on this show. I think still uh, PJ Black is still the worst imitation of Dusty Rhodes ever. And I think, uh, was it Ryback that was good? Or maybe it was uh, Sami Zayn? 
I'm not sure. Somebody did a really good Dusty Rhodes, but he had a very distinct voice, much like, you know, Stu Hart or Vince McMahon or, you know, one of those guys that anybody can imitate. He talked to my lady. How, how you doing, baby? The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And of course, that's the worst imitation ever. I'm so bad at imitations. But, um, yeah, so I never really had a lot of interaction with Dusty. When I came into WCW in 96, he was a commentator. So um, I never really talked to him much. He would always talk nice about me on commentating, but whatever. And then he, they, he went away for a bit, and they brought him back. And, and I, right before I left WCW, I got the proverbial, uh, the old saying was, we're going to put a rocket on your ass, you know, we're gonna, and watch you just shoot to the stars. And, and Dusty Rhodes actually told me that when I was in WCW, you know, because he had taken over the book. And now that I'm here, baby, we're going to put, put, put the rocket up your ass. Shoot you to the stars. Uh, he's making me laugh. <laughs> so anyways, I never really did get that rocket up my ass. Um, maybe I got it up my ass. I never got it. I never got it strapped to my ass. But so fast forward a few years and then I finally, you know, make my fame and fortune in the WWE. And I started seeing Dusty Rhodes a lot when he uh, started working at the, at the performance center. At first it was FCW and then it was um, uh, NXT, of course. And I always really got along with him. There was a little spark in, in his eye whenever he would talk to me and whenever I talked to each other. And I found out in retrospect from, from someone very close to Dusty, and I'm not going to say who because that's between us, but he said, uh, you know, I know for a fact that Dusty really respected the shit out of you and uh, always wondered why, you know, why WCW didn't, more, didn't do more with you and why WWE didn't do more with you up until a certain point, you know, but he really, really respected you and, and uh, thought you were great and blah, blah, blah. So a very cool story to hear, especially with Dusty. But a, a couple stories from Dusty. I went to the Hall of Fame the year that Ted DiBiase was inducted. And the Hall of Fame has a bad habit of, like, doing this, like, I don't know, just kind of a typical... Anytime somebody comes up on stage, you go give them a standing ovation. You know what I mean? It's just the, the standard, the standard reaction. So, you know, listen, I don't mind when, you know, Hulk Hogan comes up on stage or, you know, whatever, Triple H or Howard Finkel or, or, or Ronald Schwarzenegger, anybody that I really, really respect. I mean, I'll give a standing ovation. It's, it's kind of the idea when you're there. But when uh, Ted, DiBiase, Ted DiBiase was inducted, uh, his son's Ted Jr., and Brent DiBiase inducted him. And I happened to be sitting right next to Cody Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes. And I said to Dusty, I said, man, I'm not giving a standing ovation to Brent DiBiase. There's no way. Like, I'll give a standing ovation to, you know, Greg DeHammer Valentine. Whatever. I'll do it. Standing ovation for, you know, Wendy Richter. Okay. But I'm not giving a standing ovation to Brent DiBiase. <laughs> And Dream's like, you know, he's like, I can't believe it, baby. What are we going to do? So finally, uh, Brent DiBiase comes up. And first, I think it was Ted DiBiase Jr. He came up, everyone gave him a standing ovation. I'm like, all right, I've worked Ted, you know, whatever. I'll give him a standing ovation. Then Brent DiBiase comes up there. And, of course, people start giving him a standing ovation. I'm looking at Dream. And him and I are the only two guys that aren't standing up, you know. And kind of look like jerks and dusty finally stands up and starts giving the kid you know standing ovation and i was like dusty i'm not giving brent dibiase a standing ovation and he goes just do it kid just do it <laughs> hell dusty Rhodes told me to stand up and give the kid a standing ovation i got up and gave him a standing ovation what are you gonna do and i, I whenever i would always see him i was like damn it dream you should have uh, you told me i'm uh, 
So then another time uh, we were talking and I mentioned to him my theory that, you know, Vince was just testing. Like, hey, you think you're a good baby face? He's a good baby face? All right, let's see how good of a baby face he is. Stick him in a polka dot outfit and, uh, and see how he gets over. And I said to him, man, I mean, you were such a great baby face, Dust, that, you know, you got over despite the fact that you were a giant dancing polka dot. And he goes, uh, I, had, I had to feed my, my kids, baby. And plus, I like polka dots. <laughs> it's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, super funny guy and just really smart to the business. Like I said, I never got to sit underneath the Dusty Rhodes learning tree because in WCW, it wasn't like that. No one was really helping out. And I'm not sure he was there too long anyways when I was there. And then, of course, by the time I saw him again, I'd already... You know, been a multi-time world champion, although I'm sure there's the 10,000 million things that Dusty Rhodes could have taught me that I never got the chance to learn from him. But um, he was great, man. I remember one time when he, I think he inducted the Four Horsemen into the Hall of Fame, and he came up there and he's like, this is how he did his speech. He's like, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison. There were four. Sammy Davis. Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, there were four. <laughs> it's like I remember sitting by Cody and it's like, this is the best speech ever, but he's only saying three. What happened to poor Ringo? And what happened to, to poor, uh, who was it, Peter Lawford? Who was the fourth guy in the in the uh, Rat Pack? I think it's Peter Lawford. Was there, maybe it was Joey Bishop? Whatever. So one of those two guys, <laughs> John Lennon, Paul McCartney. George Harrison, there were four. So, anyways, man, great guy. And like I said, that's just the, that's just my personal experiences with with Dusty Rhodes. But I mean, go back and watch anything on the network or or any of his matches, and you'll see. I mean, the guy was just perfect, amazing, um, such a good performer, and really, really, really got over because. He had the connection with the audience, and that's something that I uh, harp upon that to all the students, all the kids in Tough Enough um, that are there now, the, the top 13. You guys got to make a connection with the audience. That's how you make it in wrestling, and Dusty had that connection. In a world where it was all about how much muscle you had, he didn't have any muscle, but he had that connection, and, and he had that that charisma and he had that personality and that's what wrestling is all about. That's what show business is all about. So, and also just as a brain, you know, he's such a smart booker and I mean, I'm sure there's other podcasts or, or websites you can read that can get delve into that. But I just want to talk about the guy that I knew who had a great sense of humor and always treated me with, with nothing but respect. And I got nothing but respect right back at him. So thank you so much, Dusty Rhodes for the times, the, the brief times that I got to uh, spend with you. And thanks for all you did for, for the business that I love and that so many others love. And uh, when you talk about top, top stars, I don't know if there's too many bigger ones than Dusty Rhodes. You know, there might be, you know, you got Hogan and Flair and uh, Austin and Rock and, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. But, I mean, Dusty Rhodes has got to be up there with, with those guys for sure. So God bless you, Dusty Rhodes. And, uh, and we'll see you on the other side, man. And I'm, I'm glad that I got a chance to, to talk to you a little bit and get to know you a little bit. And, um your son's a great guy too, man. Dustin's a great guy. Cody as well. So, um, 
Yeah, man. So a little bit sad, but if you're looking for something to smile about, I got Vanilla Ice coming up. He's talking about his Cavaricis. He's got a bit of, got to talk about his hair jail. I asked him how he got his hair to stand up back in the day. He's uh, he's talking about rapping. He's talking about writing Ice Ice Baby. He's talking about all the stuff that he went through uh, fighting Queen in court about the copyright. Dun, 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 dun. And, of course, renovating and flipping houses. It's a real interesting conversation. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Ice Ice Baby's in full effect. Yep, yep. Talk is Jericho. All right. Um, so we're here at the site of the uh, Vanilla Ice Project. This is season five, which is the house that you basically, you have to explain, I guess this is a beautiful house. Yeah. And you've renovated it, but was it a dump before, or what exactly did you do to it? Like, what's the... A dump is, that's actually putting it lightly. There was over really? 300 this... trees in this yard. You couldn't even see, and it's a beautiful lot here on the intercoastal in the ocean. Uh-huh. And you couldn't see the water from any room anywhere in the back. You're kidding 300 me. trees. It looked like the Sherwood Forest, and there were invasive trees. They were ugly like weeds, right. overgrown. In the front was the same thing. You couldn't see the road. You couldn't see anything, and... It took us a month and a half just to clear all the trees out. Once so, we cleared the trees out, we, we tore down every single wall here. We added on and uh, put all the jewelry to it, so to speak. So, so you're saying there was a house here, but it was just totally covered in foliage, basically. It, it had been yeah. neglected. I mean, the house is, was built in 2000. Okay. It was a physician that lived here, and it wasn't a foreclosure or a short sale. He, his wife was sick. So he, he was in his 80s. And just he admitted, he says, you know, I let the place go. I couldn't take care of it. I've been having to take care of my wife. I feel sorry. He's a really sweet guy, you know. And he goes, it's just too much for me to handle at my age right now. And it was funny because as soon as I I bought the house from him, he was so happy. You know, I I feel bad because his wife died during the process. But she was on hospice for six years. So she was kind of incoherent for the past year and a half. Mm -hmm. And he had been taking care of her. But uh he was like, yeah, I'm not going to buy another house. I'm not going to do anything. And he shows me this van, and he opens the door, and, he, and, and there was a mattress in the back. He goes, this is me. I'm going to hit America. I go, where are you going? He goes, that way. 
<laughs> he just pointed. He goes, I don't have any destination. I don't care. He goes, I am just heading out into America. It was kind of a cute story, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, he, he'd done everything he needed to do, and he was just ready to go live it up, I guess, and not have any responsibility and made me think about when I retire. You know? <laughs> right, Where right, am right. I going to go? What am I going to do? <laughs> So you start this this uh, this show has been going like you said, for five seasons, and so how do you find houses like this to, to renovate? Because obviously, okay, so you see a place like this, and in your mind's eye, you know I can turn it into this, which is we're looking at the intercoastal. There's a beautiful pool outside. It's, yeah, this room looks like a theater room. H- how are you finding the houses to to fix up? Um, actually, I, there's many different ways. I have a small, efficient team, and I've been doing this uh, for 23 years, believe it or not. Wow. And I went to design school about 18 years ago. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't Mm-mm. tell my friends back then because it was a little friendly. But I loved it. I caught the bug, and it, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's like art. You transform these homes. So I come in, and I'll, I'll marinate for a long time. And it's a custom home, so a lot of the ideas actually evolve along the way. Once I clear the dust and the rubble and knock down a few walls, some other ideas will come to me and whatnot. But, you know, it's you got to be uh, strict. You got to know your color palettes. You got to know how to make it warm. You got to know your demographics. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, and there's a few that can go right. So you got to make sure that you stay on the right path. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing, but uh, in the end, you know, they come out great, and it, the greatest reward is when I see a family in here. They come in here and they buy the house and they appreciate all the hard work that we did that, you know, mm-hmm. to put it together and make it happen. So it's rewarding, but um, you kind of need to be built for this stuff. It's not, not easy. You know, there's no B team that comes in after I stop filming. <laughs> right. they, they, they finish the job. Okay, we, we've done our filming part. Now you can finish the job. Yeah, get you know? the real guys in here. We yeah. grind it out, man. Six and a half long months, blood, sweat, tears, and even some teeth. So uh, <laughs> it's a brutal thing, you know. I have calluses all over my hands and stuff, and you know, I try to uh, I try to keep clean and soft for my wife and my kids and stuff, you know. <laughs> but it gets a little burly through the through the crunch time, you know, in, in the middle of a project. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You said you said that you've been so you you started doing this. You said twenty three years ago. Yep. That would be after you became yep. big with Ice Ice Baby then. Right. So this is something that you got into after you'd already made it yep. as, as a rapper. I did Ice Ice Baby when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Went around the planet, sold 160 million records. Mm-hmm. And um, we all know the kind of the story there. And mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, I didn't plan this. I mean, it sounds like I, I planned it, but uh, I never in a million years would have expected I'd be doing real estate or doing any kind of, you know, design or, or anything like this. Uh, what happened is... I bought, a, I bought a, a few homes, you know. I'm sure you've seen this story through some wrestlers and different things. Uh, you know, you think you're going to be in L.A., uh, and, and then you're going to have a place in Miami, a place maybe in, right. in, in Utah for snowboarding or maybe in England or so. you know. And you can only be one place at one time. Mm-hmm. So I basically, <laughs> I bought all these homes, and I never saw them. And I go, oh, my God. I, you know, three years went by. I went on tour for three years I never saw any of these homes and and I came back and I was like oh my god I got all these homes I'm paying all these taxes in November you know when tax time comes around I'm like young and dumb I instantly thought I was stupid and I had lost millions of dollars I thought you know and I go well let's sell them let's sell all these homes you know Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to sell them for a loss and this was back when the housing market was great right and I ended up making millions I said what 
come on. <laughs> I didn't even see these houses. They had cobwebs in them. I literally, they were a piece of paper in a filing cabinet. I really never saw them. You were just buying them and flipping them. I, was buying, I didn't even think to flip them. I bought, I bought them thinking I'm going to go live in them for gotcha. a while. And I never, since I never lived in them, I thought, and, I, and they had set for three years at the cobwebs and you know everything had taken over, and I was going to lose money. I ended up making millions, and I said, "Oh my God, let's go buy some more," you know. <laughs> so I went and bought some more, and um, and at that point, it was no design really; it was just paint and carpet. You just flip them, you know. You just buy it and sell it because that's right. what the, the, it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now it's evolved, and I've gotten more deep into the game and st- started designing and. Uh, you know, getting into, you know, really customizing these homes. Because that's how, like, you know, like, like Donald Trump made his first fortune off of basically doing that, buying homes and selling them. Yeah, he's you one know? of my heroes, man. From that, but, but then, like you said, because like, I tried to do that in about 2005, and then, like, six months later, the whole market crashed. Oh, yeah. And I got stuck with this house. I ended up losing some big money from it because yeah. I could never make back what I paid for just because of the way the market crashed out. You got you to gotta take the good with the bad, and mm. I've got a few of those myself. It's not always a pleasure cruise. You have yeah, to be yeah. able to weather the storm. Right. I've, uh, I've got a few of those where, you know, right when it hit, it hit hard, and it hit quick because I have a, uh, a home building company where, where it's like spec homes, and I bought a lot of land, you know, because I'm developing each, each uh, parcel of land with a home, which usually takes me 12 months for a return on my money because you have to get permits. You have to build a home. Right, you have to do the closing on the land. Then you have to go, and then you build the home. And by the time you finish building an entire home from ground up, it's a year. And mm-hmm. then you got to sell it, so it could be a year and a half before you get a return on your money. And you've shelled out all this money. And during that process, if the housing market crunched and your value of what you've built and pl- paid it and everything is has dropped, you're just going to lose your ass. Right. So uh, you learn a few of those, and you learn how to adjust. Now I sell a real estate course online. Because I've really learned how to adjust. Because you became a real estate uh, salesman, too. Like a real estate, what do you call it? Yeah. Real estate I don't know what you call guy. it. Guy. An investor. <laughs> okay. And I follow like Donald Trump. And one of my favorite you know, heroes is Warren Buffett. He says, listen. He goes, you got to be able to weather the storm. He bought the, uh, the trains, all the train system, uh, when it was losing like a billion dollars a month. And everybody thought he was nuts and he'd finally lost it. You know, one of the greatest investors of our time ever. And Warren Buffett says... Listen, it's simple math for me, guys. If the population is growing, people need goods. Eventually, it'll catch up to itself. And now, after I think 10 years, it's already turned to profit, and now he's a genius again. Mm-hmm. And he's true, because the population is growing. When you and I were born uh, 29 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, you know, the population was was half of the world population that it is right now. There's 7 billion people here. I think there was like three or four, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much population is growing. So he's betting on those numbers. And it's true what he says, because now we're almost at 400 million in America. And in America, when we were, uh, you know, kids, uh, even Florida, it had 2 million. Now we're at 22 million. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. You know, the, the population is growing, especially Florida. It's an easy sell. You know, it's a sunshine state. People come here. It's the sixth borough from New York. You know, people yeah, come here. True, yeah. And it, it, you know, you're close to the Keys. You're close to everything, and you got beautiful weather all the time. So it's an easy sell. And Warren says, you know, the people are coming, and just 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 weather the storm. Hmm. So that's what I did, and I let my my properties marinate. I still own a lot of land that I'm not even thinking about. So I I reframed my my thinking about that, and I learned how to buy not just forced closures and short sales. Everybody knows that. That's 
good luck getting those. They're hard to get. You know, the truth behind that is is that there's no staff at a bank even answering a phone call to to get rid of those properties because mm-hmm. the bank is covered by Obama law, and they don't need it. Their insurance covers their loss, and they and they they're exempt from paying any taxes. So by doing that, they just let their properties. They don't even need a staff to answer a phone call because they're not in that big of a hurry to sell it. Even though you see this beautiful house set in three, four, five years down the street, and it's an eyesore. It's got weeds coming out of it. The pool is black. We've all seen them, and it's a foreclosure. Nobody's really in a quick hurry to sell them. Right. So the the way you get the homes is uh, the way I get most of mine is tax liens. And that's a lot of red tape. Most people are deterred by it because to get through that red tape is going to cost you a lot of money. You're talking about people who lose their homes because they can't pay their taxes, basically? They well, put when, you, in the when houses? you're not paying your mortgage, you're not going to be paying your taxes either, right. either or your insurance or anything. Mm-hmm. And there's a process that's going to take over. And the one that will get the first uh, right of refusal to that will be the first mortgage holder, uh, which will get the lien against the property, which they're going to need to get paid. Um, HOA actually doesn't get to go back five, six, seven years. They only get one year now. Obama passed some good laws to help out, you know, a lot of things. And uh, I've adjusted to those laws, and it worked out amazing for an investor like me. So now, instead of waiting a whole year to get my return on my money, build a whole house, put the money up for the land, and you also only have 18 months, you have to pay taxes on them. So after a year, you're paying already, you're losing money in the, in the taxes because you've got CO on the house, and you're hoping to sell it and make a return. Now, it's so great that you can buy a house cheaper than, than you can build one, on the land cheaper than you can buy the land. Hmm. And you can just, you know, it's amazing, but you have to go through a lot of red tape. You have to get, you know, it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, Tax liens are very difficult. Usually I don't even want to deal with them because what I do is I pay a retainer fee to an attorney. And this attorney is going to say, okay, you owe me $10,000 retainer. And you might not get the property. Hmm. We're going to go to battle for you. I'm going to go sit in the courthouse. I'm going to get there before everybody. I'm going to have my coffee. I'm going to get up in there. I'm going to talk to the judge. I'm going to see what shows up on the ticket today on the docket. And we're going to go look at and get aggressive after these houses. Also, you have to either be pre-approved or you have to have cash in hand. You have to pay for it right then and there. Because when the auction comes in, it's, a, it's an absolute auction, meaning it's going to sell today, whether it's $2 or $2 million. So you're getting – you know, and I used to bid against guys in the room before my TV show, like maybe four or five guys. Mm-hmm. Now I'm bidding against like 30 guys. So it's like, where did you guys come from, man? And they're like, right. thanks for the tip, Vanilla. I'm like, come on, man, get out of here. You're causing problems, man. But uh, see, so you, you really know what you're talking about here. I mean, obviously, you're very, very smart about this. Now, when you said you got into this, did you have some aptitude for 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 real estate and for renovations, or was it just something you said I would like to do this? No, I uh, I kind of it evolved. Mm-hmm. I started off small. I actually, the decorative side, I did a house on Star Island. I lived on Star Island for 12 years, and I had it decorated by, uh, by these professionals, and I paid them a lot of money. They came in there, and uh, I had it decorated like, I was only, I think, 21 at the time. And it was like Art Deco, right? Like I had green rooms, red rooms, yellow rooms. And when you walk <laughs> in the door, it's a big-ass house, you know? So you're like, wow, you know, it's cool, like it's a bachelor. You yeah. Know? Big, huge bachelor pad. But I went on tour. And I'd come back to this house, and I was like, you know, my friends were impressed that they see it for the first time. But if you live there, like living in it, you know, there was like, I don't know, 14 bedrooms, and I'm single. Mm. I was lonely and miserable, and I couldn't <laughs> figure out why. I spent all this money. I'm thinking I'm living the American dream. I got a big house and nice cars. 
why am I miserable? This doesn't work out. Yeah. It's not the, the reality side of, of the dream is not working. <laughs> and so uh, I would go stay with my mom and like smell the cooking when I come in. <laughs> right. And the laundry. Just get yeah. out of there. It's all messed up. And, you know, so I, I, I was like, what's wrong with this house? And I felt guilty because I paid so much money for the decorators. Mm -hmm. So I actually went in there and I, I flipped through a bunch of magazines and I go, that's what my house should look like. And I, and I learned about earth tone colors and throw pillows and fireplaces and cozy, you know, everything to warm it up. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, I, I never thought in a million years I'd say that, but I just kind of, um, I don't know, absorbed some of the stuff I was seeing and and I could see the picture of how I wanted my house to be. And instead of pay these, paying these decorators uh, millions of dollars to come in and, and just tear out what I've already spent money on and, and redo it, I did it myself. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with it. It took me a year, but I just kept looking at, you know, different, uh, design pages and different things in magazines and, and, and Googling and everything. And I just, get, I, I did it myself and I'm, I warmed it up. I made it feel like a warm, cozy house. But at the end of it, that's where I got the bug. Hmm. I sit back, I cross my arms. People would come in and they would be like, wow, this is nice. You did good. I mean, I had, before it was really, it was, it was like it was, I, I was living in a nightclub. So I'd come home from tour and I felt like I'm living in a big shopping mall or a nightclub. Mm -hmm. It was so cold. It was just like that hospital feel. You can't wait to get rid out yeah. of here. I mean, I had one red room. I remember it was a TV room. Everything was red in there and it was a decorative art deco red room. So the couch, the carpet, the ceiling, the walls, everything was red. And when you walk out of that room, it's true what colors do to you. I walk out and I'm like, ah. Oh. I just felt relief that I got out of that room. It's like, God, I just couldn't stand no more red. <laughs> right, right, right. But I warmed it up, and that's where I got the, kind of the, the decorative design, you know. Well, you know what you're saying? A couple of things. But, First of all, a lot of people don't realize, and, and I've been through this before, how lonely it can be when you're, like, you know, on top or when you have some celebrity or some fame or some status. People think, oh, it's the best. You just go out and you're partying, hanging out. But a lot of times it's not that way because when you come back from the, from the tour, finish the show, and you go back in your room and you haven't really no, no one to talk to, it's yeah. pretty lonely, man. You know, I can understand what you're saying from that. Yeah. It's hard mm -hmm. to get a violin, though. <laughs> well, i'm not asking for the sympathy i'm just saying unless you've been there yeah it's hard to explain but yeah. i understand what you're talking about people people yeah they'll never understand that you yeah. can explain it and they'll get fascinated by it yeah. but until you walk in the shoes and you've had a little taste of fame like fame is 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 not a great thing it doesn't do anything. I mean, your ego, like I lost my ego a long time ago. <laughs> it don't even matter. Right. Uh, because what it is, is I look at it like it's, it's an artificial life. You have all these screaming fans out there. You're living this artificial life that you, in, in, in turn, think that you've, 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 you know, at first, you think it's like you're living the dream. You've got it. You've accomplished everything. And you're just, this is it. Mm -hmm. But the dream is never as good. I mean, the reality is never as good as the dream. And what happens is, is you're living this artificial life. And for me, since I did Ice Ice Baby at 16 at years 16? old. 16? Yeah, I wrote it at 16. It hit when I was 19. You're I did kidding. the Stop the Violence tour uh, with Stetsasonic, EPMD, Sir Mix-a-Lot. And I was like the opening act for the opening act for the opening act for the opening <laughs> act for the opener. And it was the coolest thing at that age, you know. And um, I remember Ice-T, he told Chuck D from Public Enemy, he says, this white boy can dance. You got to see this. And it kind of got me up. Instead of being the opener, 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 I got two slots up. Yeah. <laughs> the opening for the opener of the opener. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, just kind of worked my way up the ladder, man. And uh, it's, it's amazing how, how things play out. But, yeah, there's an artificial life there that it just, you know, 
once the snow globe, it's like a snow globe. It's all shaken up. Mm-hmm. And you know this. I can talk to you because you're, you've been there. Mm-hmm. And the snow globe is all shaken up, and, and you have this exaggerated sense of reality. And you have to wait for that snow globe to settle before you find out your purpose and your meaning in life. And, and at that point, that's where everybody's watching, like Justin Bieber. You know, he's lived such an artificial life up until this point. Now everybody's loving and more tuned in with the self-destruction than they are or care about any kind of new record he's coming out with mm-hmm. or not. They want to see where, you know, you want to see him crash another Lamborghini or do some drugs and yeah, drive off into a or volcano or, or something. Right. So, you know, that's what, that's what goes on. People are tuned in to see what, how they're going to self-destruct. Mm-hmm. And 90% of them self-destruct. I'm lucky, and I did have a weekend that lasted a few years. <laughs> Believe me, I self-destructed. <laughs> but I, I'm the kind of guy that I, I'm a motocross racer. I, I, I raced motocross since I was eight years old. So I know that nobody else on the track is going to help me get in front of that guy. I'm going to have to push it myself. So I dig down deep. I get the dirt off my shoulder, and I pick myself up, man. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of self-discipline and a lot of drive. And I said, I'm going to use every bit of that drive and whatever I'm going to do in the rest of my, my life. I used it to make music. I used it to, to do what I've done here. Uh, and, and how can I go on and, and find another purpose and a meaning? And it's funny because it wasn't career-driven. It wasn't money-driven. It was family-driven. And I found it. I've been married 20 years. i got two kids, man. And that's my, my meaning and my purpose in life. Wow. And that's the greatest thing. And we can all accomplish that without the fame. Mm-hmm. And without the, without a job or whatever, I mean, you're going to need a job, trust me. But I'm just saying, without having you know millions and all mm-hmm. that, and it's the the greatest thing on earth. And it's so simple that 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 people complicate it and think that there's more to it than there is. You know who's living large at my house? My three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy, and Snickers. And you know why? Because we switched them to Pretty Litter. Okay, so it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large, thanks to Pretty Litter. Because Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, so no more bad cat smells in the bathroom. Pretty Litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us, and less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I gotta deal with this fight every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty Litter also ships right to our front door, so no more last-minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house, meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Getting back to Vanilla Ice. Now, you've done a great job, you know, uh, you talk about Vanilla Ice experience. It's one of many, many things that you do. You stayed, you know, you stayed, uh, I guess, not in the public eye, but you stayed with your in show business for 25 years. Like you said, you <laughs> mentioned when we talk about, you know, who was around when To the Extreme was big, if you're talking about other acts, you know, PM yeah. Don or Kelly Me Bad or, yeah. you know, guys like the third base or these type of guys. Yeah. Those guys don't have their own show on TV and haven't been doing stuff 
regularly. Right. I don't think I, I can remember a time when you haven't been, you know, maybe in the mid-90s for a little bit, but whatever. But since about 97, 98, yeah. you know, Ice is doing this, and he's doing that. And now yeah. he's got this going on. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to me. I always love seeing guys that can reinvent themselves uh, in this world. And broaden the, the the brand of vanilla ice is almost as big as the rapper vanilla ice at this point it's amazing I, I didn't plan it it's not planned and i didn't really ever in my brain think you know what reinvent mm -hmm. that word never really even came into my brain i just you know what i can't i'm a working man when you smell me i say you smell that cologne They're like yeah i said you know what that is what that's the scent of a working man <laughs> <laughs> I ain't afraid to work, man, and yeah. I like it because it's the adventure. Me, what drives me, I think, is more the adventure. I'm not motivated by the money. I'm not mm -hmm. motivated by anything other than having a good time. I'm a very simple person, man. And people can look at me and, and kind of dissect it and break it down, and it seems complicated, you know, to them. But to me, I'm very simple. I wake up the same way everybody wakes up. It's just what I do during the day that makes the difference. Right. And... I, I just like to get up early with a cup of coffee, man, and get out and tackle life. You know, I don't do drugs. I don't even drink, man. I don't do nothing. I, you know, I like to work. Mm -hmm. And I work so much that, you know, it's fun for me. So it's more about the adventure of working and the thrill of, of just having a job to go to and do something. And with these houses and everything that I do, it's like art, man. I get to come here. And, and my friends that I've been working with, I've been with them 20-something years. They're, they're all motocrosses. Oh, your team? My whole team. Your, your, your renovation team? Yeah, we don't have a punch clock. We show up. We, we challenge each other to see who can get here earliest. That's cool. Like, I'll, I'll be the, I was there earlier yesterday. We'll see who can be here tomorrow. I mean, we're here before <laughs> the freaking roosters are crowing. So it's, it's fun to challenge each other and, 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 and have ambition and drive and a purpose and a meaning. Because you know? like you said, it's art, too. Like anytime you create something out of nothing, it's art. And that could be a painting. It could be a yep. song. I always said, like, putting together a wrestling match, you're putting together something out of nothing. It's the same with yep. what you're doing with the houses. You're creating something. Yeah. It's just as much of, of an art form as, as laying down some tracks for, for a record. That's, I, I, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. I use the exact same philosophy. I use that same drive, that same, uh, you know, ambition, uh, I mean, you know, the music is poetry, though, and, and, and I, I love poetry. I've always loved poetry, and it's also a diary, hmm. and it reflects who I am as a person inside, and I get to release a lot of demons and a lot of things that you wouldn't just really, that you would have to actually pay a therapist for you to sit down and listen <laughs> yeah. to you, you know? It's not a, 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 it's, it's not a pleasure cruise, and, and, and you have to, like when you have a, an author writing a book. You know, you hear these stories where they'll go and they'll, they'll hibernate. They'll get a house right. and they'll rent it up in the mountains and they get to try to tap into that creative element to where they can actually write a genius book. Sometimes they get writer's cramp. We've heard about that. Mm -hmm. Writer's well, block. I, right, writer's yeah. block, whatever it is. And and same thing happens with music with me. It's a diary, you know, and, and it's not a light switch. You, you turn on and off. Yo, let me go make this record for some money. Let me go make this because, you know, let me make it three and a half minutes for the record company, for radio to play it. I don't let all these perimeters come into play when I make my music. And I believe in just, you know, keeping an open mind about everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I have to be in the mood. I have to ha capture that, that mood and that time. It, it doesn't just come. It comes and goes. And when it's there, you have to hit it. But you can't just go, let me go block out the next three months and put it on my schedule. I'm going in the studio and I'm going to make a record. and yada, yada, yada. It don't just work that way, you know. And with the houses, I use a lot of that same, uh, you know, signature 
that I have with the music. I, I kind of, you know, it reflects everything that I, I am with, with the houses, my theme. I have almost like my own theme now. And I didn't recognize it until I started doing about 10 of them. And I look back and go, wow, they all kind of have a similar touch oh, to okay, them. Okay, right. You know? And I, I never even thought about that because I try to make them different. You sure. know, I try to do different things, but I can see my little signature. It makes touch sense, everywhere. though. Yeah, it's going to have a little bit of a vibe that it's a vanilla ice yeah. original. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's funny, but you know, uh, I never really can compared the two, the music with with, with uh, the construction and, and, and the design. And, and mm. now that I sit back and kind of reflect on it, I'm like, yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it now. But sometimes you're 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 just you know oblivious to a lot of things, and you just keep driving forward, and you never think back. So you look at your body of work, yeah, see it all, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you you've always been into poetry. Yeah. Is that what kind of attracted you to to rap music? Because it very 100%. much is speaking poetry over 100%. beats, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Love poetry since Edgar Allan Poe, man. Just mm. you know, if anything, I picked up from uh, from high school was was woodshop. <laughs> and, <laughs> there you and, go. And, 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 and poetry, and I, I was always bored with reading and everything but uh when for some reason like I, I didn't really i wasn't really big into the stories and reading books and all that i'd rather go to the quick way and just watch a movie and get the story mm -hmm. i'm that guy but when it came to poetry i would sit down and read poetry i just loved it and i always tried to put myself in in the person who wrote the poetry because it was it's almost like a riddle some of them and you have to think about what were they thinking when they wrote this you know mm -hmm. and then the cool part is how did they put that in a rhyme that's awesome you know yeah so it, it was a challenge, and I always love a challenge. Everything in life, I'm, I'm very challenge-driven, so if there's a challenge there, I, I'm like, oh, let's figure out a way how to do that. You know, Let's dissect it and break it down and see if we can meet the challenge. Because if you're talking about when you're 16, that's probably, I don't know, probably 85, 86, something like that. So rap was, was pretty much in its infancy and mostly a, a black-oriented you know, form of art. I mean, at, the BCs were probably happening yeah. at that point, right? Yeah, that's right. So, but to be a white guy to, to go into into rap was almost like, what? Oh, yeah. Like, so weird oh, yeah. now. It's not a big deal now. But then it was kind of a like, hey, hey man, this is our thing, right? Well, I didn't even have enough money uh, when I made my first record to even take a, take a photo, like do a photo session or anything. <laughs> so the record the the label was just uh, the whole you know jacket of the of the album was just black i had an investment i didn't even, couldn't even make a video nobody even knew my, i think my record was number one already before anybody knew what color like, i was like across the country yeah wow yeah it was number one and i then they found out you know what color i was because i had uh three investors come up with five thousand dollars to make the ice ice baby video is the cheapest video that made more grand. money than any. Yeah. Wow. And, and this is, you know, this is, in, yeah. They were making videos for millions and millions of dollars. You remember that? Absolutely. So Records, too. You'd be golly. sitting in the studio for years yes. to make those records. Yeah. So, and it went number one, and, uh, and then finally f people figured out. But, uh, you know, it, it was the music that, that started it off. Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. It was actually the B side of, of the record. Play That Funky Music was the A side. Really? Yeah. And some guy... Uh, Dave Morales, I remember his name, the DJ, uh, flipped the record over and it which, just, which city was it he was in? like wa Georgia. Okay, in Georgia? In Georgia. And he flipped this thing over and it just went nuts and, and it just kind of caught on like wildfire. And then, and then I had enough money to, you know, do a few things. And <laughs> But it's amazing how that used to be. Like you said, like a DJ flipped it over and played the wrong side. You hear that yeah. all the time. Like I think you hear that with Kiss and Beth. It was the B-side or something. And yeah. someone played the B-side by mistake. And suddenly yep. people are calling in and suddenly it goes, that doesn't work that way anymore. You no. could never have that. There's no A or B-side, is it? No, or there's no DJ who's just going to play it and get it going. Or you know a DJ I mean? that just does it. Yeah. Yeah. 
times have changed, you man. know. But 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 that song is so timeless. I says, baby, it's funny because I was watching the video last night with my daughters. I told you I have two eight year old daughters, twins, yeah. uh, and they said, great. make sure you tell Vanilla Ice tomorrow when you see him that we like Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So you're talking from eight into yeah. like you know over forty eight, fifty eight. Like people, that's a catchy freaking song. It's a classic. It now is at man. this point I'm, in time, I'm man. Honored, bro. You know, isn't it amazing? It is. It's been a journey too. I'd never imagined it or thought about it. And you know, uh, we can't pick our fans; they pick us. As yeah. You know. Yeah. And and I never thought you know because I play shows now. I play concerts all the time. Right. I, I just played Boca and sold out at the amphitheater. I, I played uh, North Dakota. I go all over the place. I see you're going to the UK in a, in a yeah, week or so. Heading to the UK next week, right. and uh, you know my my fan base now is really strange because it's 16 to like 28. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you do the math, most of them weren't even born, or they <laughs> were right. one yeah, or two. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it's amazing. I guess that you know, and there there are the few soccer moms in the back, and the people you know that grew up to it, and they'll come out too, you know, on the weekend. But uh, I guess you know, it's it's an amazing thing that that you can you can capture a different demographic that you ever predicted, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, and a lot of it is you know the music, YouTube, the TV show helps. I mean, a lot of this sure. stuff helps, but. Uh, they still have to gravitate towards the music and like it or not like it, mm-hmm. and that's the cool part is that that song has is timeless. It really is, yeah. And and the Ninja Rap, <laughs> <laughs> the Ninja Turtles is another thing that helped me cross over every generation and going to continue. Go forever. Ninja, go Ninja, go! Yeah. Right. <laughs> but you know, I, I think that's the first rap song. I mean, if you're not talking about Beastie Boys stuff, that that because I remember the early '90s, there was before gangsta rap really took over. There was like. I don't know if you want to call it fun rap, but it was it was like a good time feel between you and Hammer. And you mentioned Young yep. and C and Tom Loke. There were really cool rap songs that you could listen to, and it was yep. Fresh Prince. It was fun. It's magical. Yeah, and, and you know? that's the whole great thing that people want to come back to that. You know. Yeah. A lot of the music today, you know, they call the '90s the last great generation, and they call everything since then from 2000. We're in 2015. We're already mm. past a whole other you know decade there. And nobody even recognizes anything. There's no music that defines it. Right. You know, there's nothing, no fashion that yeah. designs it, that, that defines it. And it, they call it the lost generation. Hmm. Because in 100 years from now, you can't look back at 2000 to 2015 and say, what was that about? What defined it? There's really nothing. They call it lost because it's going to be lost in translation 100 years down the line. That's true. They're going to focus on, well, we know the 90s had Vanilla Ice, Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. They had Zeke Havrici pants, <laughs> shaved eyebrows. Fade haircuts. Faded right? haircuts. <laughs> the running man. Yeah. Baggy pants. I mean, there's so much, you know, pop culture mm-hmm. and music that happened uh, in the 90s. There's nothing that really has happened uh, since. There's there's big acts and there's things that that come and go, but that's the thing is because of all, I guess, the computer. The computer has a lot to do with that. Yeah. It's it's become saturated now. So mm-hmm. you know you have one hit here or one hit there, and 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 then you're kind of forgotten. You know, right? And the thing is, is that the '90s was the last time you know that actually will be remembered. Mm-hmm. I hope that there's something they're going to change about yeah. that because you know. A lot of people now are wearing like what what we wore in the eighties. Remember, mm-hmm. all those colors are back. Yeah, I, I was tripping out because I thought that was like 
the most uncool thing. I was like so embarrassed of how I dressed and how, you know, back in the day with all those colors, I look back at it and I'm like, it's like your grandma pulling out, showing all your friends those, those old photos of your. Well, you know what's funny is that uh, I lived with, with a dude uh, in uh, two, uh, 90, 1990, and he had the vanilla ice kind of hair. Yeah. And I was the rock guy with long hair. And it was like, you know, I hate. Rap. I hate metal. Yeah, yeah. I hate rap. But you can meet in the middle with Ice Ice Baby yeah. because of the, the energy of the dance. Hammer, yep. too. Hammer was another yep. one. Just watching. It was fun. Yeah. But Ice Ice Baby also, too, with, with the Queen riff. It was like, well, I, I know that riff. Had a little rock and roll. Yeah, a little there. rock and roll in there, yeah. too. You know, I heard that the Beastie Boys, when they did uh, Paul's Boutique with all the sampling that was in it, yep. was like the last or maybe right before that was the first time you actually had to start paying for samples. Right. Like Tone Loke Wild Thing, that Jamie's Crying from Van Halen, yep. didn't have to pay for the sample. Nope. Did you have to pay for that, for that sample? Oh, with, yeah. Okay. But I didn't clear it up front because I couldn't predict that I was going to sell 160 million records. You didn't know, right? And if you don't sell a lot of records, even though, like, here's a good uh, example. Uh, even Run DMC, mm -hmm. LL Cool J, there were some big acts that sampled way before I came along. Sampling sure. has always been a part of hip hop. I mean, yeah. you know, Puff, Puffy does it uh, still. Yeah. Everybody, you know, they'll still do it. You'll still hear it out there. And you can't predict you're going to sell that many records, so you just throw it out there because you don't have enough money to clear it up front anyway. <laughs> yeah. So you just throw it out there and see what it does, and, 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 it, and mine took off. But the reason that, that nobody had really made a big issue as far as lawsuits and everything before my record is because nobody had ever sold anything more than a gold record, which is 500,000 units. And by the time in you... In rap? In rap mm -hmm. music. Rap music just was not a gigantic seller. It was big. The names were big as far as like Among Us with Run DMC, LL Cool J. A few of us knew about that, right? But not middle America. Middle America did not know anything about that yet right. until my record came out. And I kind of brought rap music to Middle America for the first time. To the and, mainstream. And sold and saw some really significant sales. I mean, platinum after platinum. My, 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 record, my record was selling a million a week. That's insane when you think about that, right? Oh, I, I still look back and go, wow. <laughs> you, know, how, you know, but it's a sign of the times and, and it's amazing. And, and I, you know. I uh, I got many stories to tell you about the adventure along the way, but but I, but you know being that there's no real uh, lawsuit to go after any money if it's just a gold record because by the time they recoup their advance and all that you know there's nothing in the pot. Yeah. But when you're selling a lot a lot of records, so they they figured oh well hey there's some money here you know attorneys are are not you know dumb <laughs> <laughs> they see money and they're gonna come after it in some yeah. way. So they did, and, and then it's funny because a, a building in downtown New York, Avenue of Americas, pops up, an entire building called Sample Clearances, <laughs> really? right after my record. So, um, and I helped fund that. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you would go to this building and get your clearance for any sample that you wanted to use on a song? Yeah, so I got, lost, I got a lawsuit against me from Queen and David Bowie, and of course they have lawyers saying, hey, you know, this this... This white kid, he's a rapper, he's in America, you know, and uh, he's selling lots of records, uh, oh. lots and lots of them. So uh, there's some money there. What do you think? Hey, we don't care, mate. Let's go get paid, you know, whatever. <laughs> so uh, I had a lawsuit, and I, I worked out really well for me because I ended up buying all the royalties, and I learned about royalties. I learned about publishing, and I ended up buying all my own publishing back. I bought uh, the David Bowie and Queen uh, under pressure. It was a, it was a combination with, with the two of those. So it was Freddie Mercury and David Bowie. And I ended up buying that publishing. You, it was available to yes, buy? Yes, so uh, $4 million. 
So because there you, was nobody, because Freddie Mercury had already died. Yeah. Uh, Brian May wasn't getting much, and uh, David Bowie wasn't. It was uh, you know Mercury's family, but Brian May had rights to sign it off. Brian May comes out. He's a huge fan of the song. He comes out still to this day. Comes to the concerts. That's great. And, uh, he would get it. He's a pretty modern thinker. He loves it. He's yeah. great. You know, he just likes music and has fun with life, man. And yeah. uh, anyway, so yeah. So you actually own yeah. Under Pressure. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. I, I never knew a lot that. of publishing, and I learned about that. You know, a lot of people still don't understand it that do mm -hmm. music. You know, mm -hmm. and you can buy publishing. That's why Michael Jackson bought the Beatles. That's right. And remember, Paul McCartney was really mad at him, and they did this song together, uh, Ebony and Ivory. Mm -hmm. And then they hated each other after that because Michael Jackson, it's not right that you come in here and buy our music. This is our music. You cannot buy it. We want it. And Paul McCartney, uh, I mean, um, they were bidding against each other, and Michael ended up outbidding Paul McCartney. Because well, McCartney said to Michael, Michael was asking him, how can I, you know, what's a good investment? He said publishing. Yep. So Michael went and found that the Beatles were available and bought the Beatles songs. He's like, I, I, I didn't mean my publishing. Yeah. Yeah. He still owns it. <laughs> he still he owns all it. his, which is incredible. Yeah. And he owns that. So Michael was a very smart guy. And uh, so I learned about that. And that helped me, you know, make a lot of more, you know, the checks mm -hmm. got a lot bigger. Instead of just, you know, coming in, which I thought were big in anyway. But now instead of the record company taking their split and all this other stuff, you know, it comes in as a bigger check to yourself. Most people don't have the means to do that because you have right. to pay for it. You got to pay a lot to start making it. And yeah. every seven years, it'll pop up to where you know they'll give you a, a, an advance towards it, the record company, and they'll take you know eighty percent of the cut or ninety percent, and they'll give you you know ten, fifteen, twenty percent. Mm -hmm. Or you have a choice to say, oh, because they'll give you an advance. They'll say, hey, here's here's a half a million or a million dollars. You know, we'll give you an. And everybody's like, oh, seven years gone by. I've already spent most of my money. I get a million dollars. All I do is sign here, sign done, and all you're doing is giving the record company the rights to sell your music. Uh, but if you have the means and you can buy that, you know, you're going to end up making the money from it. So licensing agreements are big these days. Mm -hmm. Spotify, that's how you sell records these days. It's not like, hey, right. I got a million records sold. It's licensing agreements. And you can sell a few on iTunes and different things like that and avenues, but it's more about, you know, licensing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you license all that out and you, the checks come to you instead of the record company. And I took that money and I put it into real estate. And that's what led to where I'm at now. And I started off doing small homes, medium-sized homes, you know, and then to the big mansions I'm doing now. And now you have a show with five seasons doing this. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. own the publishing for, uh, for Ice Ice Baby? Yep. Okay, so yep. that's yours too? I put a catalog together. I have uh, six full albums I released. Oh, yeah. And they're on BM one is on BMG Records, one's on Capital EMI, one's on SBKK, one's on Universal. And... Unless I can work out an agreement between all three of them or buy all the publishing, I can't put a full catalog together someday. <laughs> yeah. You so can't I do a greatest hits record. Right. Yeah, yeah. So now I bought all the publishing. Now I can do what I want with it, and I have creative control over it. So it's, it's kind of a fun is, thing. Is this why um, I remember on the, uh, the uh, behind the music, there's, you had the classic line, or theirs goes, din, 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 digga, din, din. Oh, yeah. Ours goes, din, 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 digga, din, din. It's not yep. the same thing. <laughs> and you say it with such a shit-eating grin on your yep. face. It's like he knows he's totally taking yep. the piss, right? <laughs> but legally, you couldn't legal. admit it, right? It was total legal, man. I was right in the middle of the lawsuit <laughs> at that time, and I was like, you really want me to admit it? I mean, it's obvious to everybody, but you know what? No, mine's different. There's that little ding, ding. Okay, yeah. that ding, 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 not ding, 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 ding. Classic, right? <laughs> At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so sitting here with Vanilla Ice, uh, and you mentioned Michael Jackson. And so you're talking like 90, 91 when you were one of the biggest stars on the planet. Did you ever have any interactions with Michael? Yes, I did. Did you? Been to his house, good no friends kidding. with him, great guy. Love him to death, man. He, he, he got what you were doing and, and totally, was into it. Yeah. Totally, man. He invited me out, brought my kids, my wife, my family. Everybody's been out to the house. We did all the rides at Neverland. We, we took a train ride with him. He took us in his house, showed us all around, and... He's amazing, you know. That's cool, man. That guy, I know the whole family. They're great. I'm mm-hmm. still in, in touch with them too. Really? Oh yeah, yeah man. Um, they're great. Joe, actually, the dad. Mm-hmm. He, he comes eats dinner with me when I go to Vegas and stuff. Really? Yeah, great people, man. Janet's great. Uh, all of them, all the Jacksons. I even know the nieces, the nephews, you know, and yeah. they're they're great. Everybody. Oh, yeah. they invite me to different functions and things. And it's amazing. Though. I'm sure when you first started doing what you were doing, you got a lot of kickback from people like who's this white boy type thing then suddenly you make it and show that you actually yeah. are doing some good work and then now everybody jumps behind it and it's like you're like an og now at this point like vanilla <laughs> you know what i mean right like hey i'll think- take it man listen i've been through hell and back and you know whatever doesn't kill you makes you strong mm-hmm. as you know and we always have to have a purpose and a meaning so i'm just happy to be here man and have my family and my kids and, and have fun with life, man. You know, mm-hmm. I believe that smiles are contagious. I try to wake up with one and I go to sleep with one. And anything that really stresses you out, you know, I, I try my best not to let it get to me mm-hmm. anymore, you know, because it's gotten to me in the past and I just look back and I try to better myself every day. You know, I'm t- thinking, ah, I'm going to die one day. Really? Is it worth it? Because I talk to this old man. I learn a lot from old people. I talk to this, this friend of mine. He's the 12th ninja. We have a uh, code of ninjas. He's the 12th ninja? He's the 12th ninja. He's 85 years old. His name is Lou. And uh, he's in a wheelchair. He he had a – but his mind, everything is intact, and he is sharp as as he could ever be. And uh, I said, Lou, if there's anything you could tell me, man, any advice, what would it be? He goes, first, got to slow the F down. (laughs) I said, okay. I'm like, Lou, I like it, man. I get my caffeine and some Red Bull and some Monster. I'm going at it, you know. He's like, yeah, but you got to, it's life is going to pass you by before you know it. I said, okay. So what else, Lou? He says, he goes, listen, whatever you stress about in life, whatever it is, I don't care if it's a relationship, a job, your mortgage, whatever's going on in your life, don't even let it get to you. I said, oh, that's easier said than done. You know, he goes, yeah, but listen, no matter what happens, you're going to be right here where I'm at in the end anyway. Hmm. So you, you go from point A to B and you can either have a, an option to stress out and get paranoid or do whatever through your life and your days, or you can just let it go. Hmm. He goes, because no matter what, you're still going to be here where I'm at. He goes, just enjoy life. Make it an adventure. And when he told me that, it kind of sunk in a little bit, you know. And uh, Tammy Faye, I did the surreal life with her. You right. never know where, where like, you know, your therapy's going to come from. She told me, she says, you know, because I hated my old self for a while. I had a problem with it, you know. I wanted to move past it. You hated the fact that you were Ice Ice Baby guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't like the image. I didn't like, you know, I was embarrassed by the way I wore those clothes and everything. And uh, I love it now, you know, for sure. But she told me some therapy to help me get over it. She said, you are who you are because of who you were. Hmm. These short phrases, by the way, they, they work and sink in with me way better than 
It's a like, long therapeutical it's like conversation with him. So you are who you are because of who you were. Right. Hmm. So embrace it. You yeah. know? And she um, seemed like a really cool chick on that show. She's cool. I watched she was that smart. Show. She's not with us anymore, but yeah, she, she was she away, was yeah. a sweetheart, man. Mm-hmm. And she was just the best. And I loved meeting her and even Eric Estrada. He was the mm-hmm. coolest, you know. And uh, they would give me advice, man. And they, these people have been there and seen things, you know, that, that most people wouldn't be able to give a celebrity advice. Like you can't go to a regular therapist that's down the street from your house that's used to dealing with regular average people, nine to five or, and, and stuff like that. And then you expect them to have any, an understanding of how your sure. life is as a famous celebrity. Well, it's like we spoke earlier. It's like to, to understand what it's like to be lonely after a show. Yeah. Like, you know, normal, I say normal as in people who don't understand that. You know, you could work at a gas station. And unless you also work at a gas station, we're not going to understand what you're talking about. Exactly. You have to be in that position, right? You have to be in that position yeah. to have to give, give somebody advice. So anyway. Did uh, you do that show, Surreal Life? Uh, like, did you do it kind of like, all right, I'll do it. Were you excited about it? Because it seemed like you took a bunch of, you know, I guess the word would be former celebs or B yeah. celebs or whatever the yeah. word would be yeah. and put them all in a house together to hope for some kind of drama. I was a big fan of the show. I watched every season. It's amazing. It was almost 15 years ago. That crazy, show. right? Is it that long ago? Yeah, Jeez, bro. It was in the mid nineties, right? Like yeah. Late nineties. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, that show was amazing and I didn't want to do it at first. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I made a lot of, you know, in my contract, I said, listen, I don't want to do this. And they, they raised the money. I said, it's not about the money. You don't get it. it it's not going to motivate me, the money. I've always had money. I've never made bad investments. I didn't end up like Hammer. Mm. So get over the fact that you think you're going to buy me. It's not going to happen. So they were trying to, um, they were begging me to come on this show. And I was like, listen, it was Chris. I was, I was like, no, man, I don't want to do it. Chris, and, the producer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he says, listen, what can we do to make it? I says, well, you cannot harp on my past because I have a problem with it. I had a big, you know, internal problem with who I was and everything and because mm-hmm. you know it almost killed me and that's that weekend that lasted a few years and they caught me during that weekend where I didn't have a purpose or meaning I didn't know who I was in life really you know that snow globe was kind of settling still and I was just kind of still shaking up and you were the former guy it's like oh isn't it weren't you vanilla ice yeah like, I still am it's a yeah. bad time for me to you yeah. know come on this show because you're going to see a bad side of me mm-hmm. and uh I was having a hard time dealing with everything, coming out of the artificial life and jumping into a real life because there really is a human in here. So uh, I told him, I said, okay, I'll come on the show, but you can't harp on the past and, and, and all these different things. And they said, okay. So I go on there and they, I had no idea it was going to be so great, but uh, they, one of the things that kind of put me over the hurdle was they said that, you know, you get to live with Ron Jeremy in the house. <laughs> And I said, sold. <laughs> I'm going to go live with the legend, man. Ron Jeremy. Come on. But uh, who, who gets a chance to do that? You know? Right. So I was fans of a lot of people on the show anyway. And I'm like, ah, this is whatever. Let's mm-hmm. just get in where we fit in <laughs> and, uh, and see what happens. And, and I learned so much from it. It's, it was a great experience, um, a great TV show. But, you know, I got therapy from it, and I never thought I'd get that, you know, because these people have walked it, and you get to live in this house with them, you know, with no script, really. And, you know, some of the stuff is staged, but not, not all of it, you know. And mm-hmm. you get to really talk with these people and interact because you don't get a TV. You, get, you don't get your cell phone. You have to sit in there for months, you know, and you have to figure it out. Nothing to do but talk. Talk. Human connection. Hello. Yeah. Talk. <laughs> yeah. it's one of these things, these lost arts. But uh, it, was, it was magical, and mm-hmm. it worked out really well for me, and uh, it helped me get over some of those hurdles and different things. And 
Like you said, I didn't even want to sing Ice Ice Baby ever again in my life. And now I love it. You know, it's like... Isn't it amazing how everyone goes through that? You think of like McCartney in the 70s when he started Wings. He didn't play any Beatles songs. And people were like, you got to play because that's... I'm not a Beatle anymore. Or like Kiss in the 80s when they took their makeup off. They didn't want to play makeup songs. They just, I don't want to do... And then you look back like... Like you said, I don't want to sing Ice Ice Baby, but it's like you had this this one in a trillion, huge, huge, multi-generational classic tune. Yep. And it, for a while, you're like, you didn't want to do it. No. It's weird, right? Yeah, I, I hated myself. It was really strange how that can happen because you have such success and I just didn't view myself, I guess, like everybody else did. Or maybe I, maybe I did. Maybe I was just kind of over it. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just too big and it had to implode. And that's kind of what it did. And I kind of self-destructed a little bit. But I got myself back on track. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of that. I picked myself up, dusted my dirt off my shoulder, and I said, let's go to work. Come on. We got to yeah. figure out something. Yeah. But what helped me get over everything was having that family. Mm-hmm. That's my, I figured out now I have a meaning. Now I have a purpose in life. And you, got, you know it as well. Yeah. Since you, have, you have a family and the kids. And there's nothing greater on earth than having kids, man. And you look at them in the eye and you know that you made that. And you're, you know, yeah, you're yeah. going to raise them. And that, that's the greatest feeling. Everything else is just kind of artificial. Yeah. And once you figure that out, man, you just have fun with everything. Right. You don't give a damn. You tackle it with a smile, man. You know? I mean, I remember I had haters back in the day even, you know? And I'm like, what is haters? What did I really do? Did I, did I kill somebody? <laughs> well, I make music. Yeah. Really? What right. if they're a hater, dude? Listen, if you want to hate somebody, hate, uh, you know, Muhammad Atav or flying that airplane into the buildings. Or right. Hate, uh, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer or Timothy McVeigh or something. But I make music, man. What is it really? You know? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I didn't figure. I didn't understand all that because I was green, you know. But I you, you also have a, a real, like you said, you you found yourself. But you also have, and what you have to do in show business is, is not be afraid to uh, have that little bit of self-effacing humor. You take the piss out of yourself. Totally. And when I saw th- that's my boy, which was I had no idea you were even in it. I just went and saw. <laughs> I think I even texted you about. It. I went and saw it one day, and I was like, and you were like, you were you were like the second lead. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. It was a great. Movie. Like how 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 what like how did that did they send you a script and say we got this idea or did you know Adam Sandler or how did that come about? It was crazy because it was his wife that mm. actually was a fan of the TV show, the Vanilla Ice Project, the, mm-hmm. the construction show. So they watch it, him and him and her watch it, and they were watching it in bed one night, and she goes. Hey, honey, as they were watching it, and uh, she, he goes, he said, don't, don't, don't tell me. You think I should get, because he finished it, the sentence for Vanilla Ice in it. So I got a phone call. I was in England. I got a phone call. I said, Adam Sandler wants to meet you at Happy Madison. I got on a plane. Bam, I shot out there. I was tired. I didn't care. You know, <laughs> 10 cups of coffee. I was like, I'm going to meet Sandler. That's a big call. Yeah. And, yeah, so I get out there, and uh, he goes, Hey, my boy, how are you? <laughs> I said, hey, I'm good, Adam. Nice to see you. You know, he's like, man, we're my wife, big fan of your show, and we, you know, we we just want to see if you guys be interested in in doing this uh this new movie we got coming up. And I said, let me think about it. Uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, he goes, yeah, well, we're gonna have fun with it now. Uh, it's a little tricky with you. Um, I go, what do you mean? He goes, well. We're going to have fun with who you were and how it was and, 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 and kind of like what you said, take the piss out of yourself, you know, where you just kind of crack on your own self and everything. And at that point, he caught me in like the best position of my life because I'm already cracking on my <laughs> Z Cavrici pants and, you know, shaving the eyebrow, you know, right, put some lines right. in the back of the hair and running man and baggy, you know, all that. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and he was he caught me at that time and, and it was great. And, 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 and he's exactly like you would think he would be, by the way, he's. Everything you see him in the movies, he's that way in real life. Like a lot of people are not. A lot of actors are not. You know, they're mm-hmm. acting. Mm-hmm. 
This guy is exactly, he's funny on camera, off camera. It don't matter. He is just, just hilarious. seems like a dude that you want to hang out with. He's a total cool yeah. dude you want to hang with all day, every day. Just always, always fun. So I was like, man, I really like this guy. I can get along with him. It's, it's fun, you know? And, um, and that's what we did. We made the TV, the movie show, the, the movie. And uh, it, it just came out magical. It took on a life of its own. And during the process, I mean, we were backstage cracking up. And then, <laughs> oh, it's time to go film. So we already had that good. There was yeah, no yeah. tension at here. all. It was like, we're going out here and just start cracking up, man. And let's just make a show. And what if I fall over in the bushes and, and piss all over myself how funny would that be okay do it he let me put a few things in there you know i'm like really you're letting me come up with stuff this is cool but yeah and um <laughs> yeah uh so we we made the movie and it was i never know how it was going to turn out or be edited or anything like that and uh it was hilarious man it was I, really funny yeah i, I loved the the, uh, the fact that you know i could come in there and make make fun of of, of my old self and just enjoy the whole thing you know but also, uh, you know, expand your notoriety. You know, people, I'm sure there's a lot of people that had never heard of Vanilla Ice or didn't remember Vanilla Ice and didn't even know you were still alive. Is he yeah. still around? Yeah. And yet you come out of there looking like a star. It was, it was great for you. <laughs> you know? I have guys showing up at my concerts. They, they make their own T-shirts now, right? Yeah. And I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. Yeah, whatever, yeah, go ahead. But it says, you know, in one of the lines in the movie, because, you know, uh, he's having sex with his sister. It was kind of disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, word to your mother, brother fucker. And that line is like a catchphrase <laughs> now. These guys make these T-shirts and they're showing up at the concerts. So word to your mother, brother fucker. I'm like, oh, my God. Is that really taking off like that? Are you doing anything more uh, in that sort of world? Yeah, I just filmed the movie with Sandler again. Another uh, one? Yeah, I just finished a new one called nice. the, the Ridiculous Six. So uh, this movie is, I guess it's going to be out somewhere in December. Great. But I play, uh, not Vanilla Ice in this one, mm -hmm. I play Mark Twain in this one. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Dude, I have a ridiculous mustache. It takes like four hours to put this whole wig on and this mustache and, oh. <laughs> and it is a it is hilarious uh it's got the entire saturday night live cast uh david spade uh, he plays uh uh colonel custer mm -hmm. um who does got, adam sandler play adam plays a he's an indian okay. he's one of the ridiculous six so he's an indian and uh let's see um yeah david spade you got rob snyder in it rob mm -hmm. snyder plays don 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 diego um <laughs> You have uh, Lovett, uh, John Lovitz. Uh -huh. uh, he plays this this really wealthy billionaire guy, and uh, let's see. There's, I mean, there's so many. So you've become it. like almost one of Sandler's cast of gang of characters that he puts in a lot of his movies. Hey, I mean that's Dan, great. I, I love it, man. I'm I'm honored to be a part of it. These guys are all fun, to, and I, I'm really good friends with them all. Spade came in town the other day. He called me up. He says, "Come have brunch with me." I was over here at the Breakers. I said, "No problem. Be right <laughs> over, man." Uh, they have shrimp the size of lobster there, so I was like, That's "Perfect, easy. yeah, I'm sold." <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, you know, it's cool to to make friends with them all, and, mm -hmm. and they're just you know really good, decent, great and people, your own, and yeah. fun to hang with. You know, yeah. you're always laughing. Yeah, I love surrounding myself with people that are always having fun. You know, mm -hmm. I never rate people by how much money they have uh, or anything like that. I got a friend named Sal that he can't rub two nickels together. Together, and I always this is a kind of a life lesson for me of how you know you can be in life and he's the happiest guy i know man he goes oh they, they came and picked up my truck today man I, I forgot i missed a few payments and you know i don't care i got a new girlfriend i'm going out tonight and i moved back in with mom you know i'm 44 now and um it's great bro she does my laundry i got food it's everything is awesome loving life man it don't matter what's going on you know he's happy yeah he's happy 
oh, I got a DUI last night, but I'm going out tonight, man, and everything's good. I'm going to get Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I learned my lesson, man. It's great. I'm living like he doesn't. You can't. He's always happy. And then I live around some very wealthy people, right? Mm. And I see them. Some some of the people, uh, and they're miserable. I don't get it. They got all the money in the world. They're driving these fancy cars, yachts, and everything you could ever dream of, and they're miserable. And I guess they have to work their whole life to pay for everything, and they just, I don't know. They can't enjoy anything. I don't know what it is. I, 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 just, I think it goes back to what the 12th Ninja said. Sometimes you got to just sit back and slow down and yep. just smell the coffee, smell so the to speak, roses. right? Yeah, yeah, smell the roses. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all a state of mind. Uh -huh. And, you know, everybody wants to be successful but their definition of success doesn't really translate proper right. because they all think that to be successful, you have to have money mm -hmm. and uh, you have to have, you know, fancy cars and boats and houses, which is great things to strive for and, and, and great things to kind of motivate you to work and go to work and get things like that. If that's what you want. But uh, the real philosophy is if you're happy, you're successful. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Not, not material things, right? not anything else. If you're yeah. happy, you're successful, period. Mm -hmm. Take it from Cinderella Sal. <laughs> <laughs> a couple last questions, man. You, you, we mentioned you're going to the UK and you just did a show in Boca. Do you still do quite a few shows throughout the year? Yeah. You yeah a full, full touring schedule? Uh, not so much a schedule because it takes six and a half months to do the you – know, sure. everything revolves around the TV show. Yeah. The project now is on season five. Uh, we're getting ready to do season six. And in the middle of it, I'll go out and, and do a show, like a mini series with the Amish or something like that. I did a couple seasons. That's right. Life goes Amish. Life goes Amish. And I get to go out and live with the Amish. And, you know, you can't buy a ticket for that. So that's another adventure for me. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, and I love like that, build. man. You've done all that stuff. You know, like whatever it is, the reality shows, you go and do them. You it, know? It's incredible, man. I, I never know where life's going to go. I mm -hmm. just, you know, I'll ride the wave. Yeah. It's like surfing. You, know, you don't know how to predict it. You, you become a pop culture, you know, icon you in a lot of ways. You enjoy life, man. Yeah. Whatever it is and however it is, you just take whatever comes at you and you enjoy life, man. And I think that if you do enjoy it, people are it's going to translate to sure. the television screen, the movie screen, or, or in life in general, that they're going to gravitate towards that positive energy and just having a good time, mm -hmm. you know? And if you can enjoy that, you'll surround yourself with good people and that'll kind of get the same vibe and... You'll you'll enjoy life, man. I mean, that's the that's that's the whole thing. Is we go from point A to B, and if you're not having fun and you're miserable, it don't matter how much money you got, what kind of car you're driving, or anything. You gotta enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there is no no purpose with it. Right, right. And um, and that's it, man. I enjoy the heck out of myself. I'm in a good state in my life right now, and um, you know, my fam my my teenage daughters are keeping me busy. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a rock star on the weekends, basically. Yeah. And I'm a working stiff Monday through Friday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. I want to know, how did you do your hair back in, like, 90, 91? How would you style it? Like Is there a little flip on top? Dude, I would take my hat, I mean, my hair. I would get out of the shower. I'd turn upside down like that. Uh -huh. And... I had my head upside down, and I would take a bottle of gel and, 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 and hairspray, the strongest, like spritz or whatever, and I, and I would just hold my head upside down and let it stay there and spray it and glue it, <laughs> and then stand up, and there it was. <laughs> oh, man. Tell you, Dude, man. I tell you what, man. It's been great talking to you today. I appreciate you. It's a lovely house, the Vanilla Ice Experience, man. Yeah. Season five, season six, and it's, uh, it's you're you're a pretty uh, pretty cool inspirational guy. Thanks, bro. Thanks, hey, dude. Chris, I appreciate you letting me on the show, man, and, and it's an honor, and, and we'll do it again. Absolutely, man. And Thank all you. the best to you, man. <laughs> We're shaking hands now. Absolutely. <laughs>
right? Everyone's talking about transparency these days. It's a word you hear a lot because people expect it. So when you're making a big purchase, like a, buying a new car, perchance, for, for, for example, don't you want to want and expect a transparent buying process? You don't want any secrets. You don't want any surprises. You want a process that gives you the confidence to know if you're getting a fair deal, right? To really understand the power of transparency, you need to check out True Car and the True Car's mobile app. With True Car, not only can you configure the car the way you want it and how you want it, but you can see what others actually paid for the same car you're looking for. And I'm talking about people who live in the same zip code, all right? You know what you can expect to pay for the car you want, right? That's transparent. Once you decide on the car you want, you lock in, in guaranteed savings on average check this out over three thousand dollars off of msrp that's a lot of cash and then you connected with a trusted true car certified dealer that's going to honor your savings without negotiation really doesn't get any easier than that i mean how much more do you want think of the money you save lots think of the time and hassle you save lots you're not wasting hours and hours at the car dealership it's boring the coffee's not good you're haggling over the price of the car you want you already know what you want you don't need to haggle you need to go to the true car app and go buy your car from there so when you're ready for a new transparent car buying experience save time save money save us y2j and never overpay download the true car app today all right, thanks to Vanilla Ice. The season finale of the Vanilla Ice Project airs this Saturday, June 20th at 9 p.m. on the DIY Network. And wait till you see this house that he renovated. It is amazing. Like you heard him say, he's still out there touring. He's continually doing shows. Follow him on Twitter so you can see when he's going to be in a city near you. It's a great, great show. He's at Vanilla Ice. And since you know you've probably lost your old copy of To the Extreme, get yourself over to Amazon. Use the TIJ links to check it out and buy the new copy of To the Extreme and also buy the new Tremonti album Cauterize buy the new Black Veil Brides DVD Alive and Burning so many great things buy whatever you want just go to podcastone.com click on the support or sponsors banner at the top of the page then hit the talk is Jericho button I got links to Amazon UK USA and Canada A Doing your online shopping through my Amazon links. Easiest way to support the show. No extra fees or hidden houses. We just get a, a couple bucks uh, kicked back to us to cover production costs. I want you to go to podcastone.com. Click on Talk is Jericho. you find all my Amazon links right there. Come on down. Help me out. And uh, come on down and check me out as the Y2J WWE Summer Tour is officially underway. Had a great time last week with all the great Jericho-holics in Springfield, Illinois, Terre Haute, Indiana. Worked with Luke Harper. We tore the house down. A lot of people said it. It was uh, their favorite match on the show or one of the favorite matches on the show. So cool to hear that and so cool to know that this uh, this weekend, June 20th, Las Vegas, Nevada. That'll be the beginning of the intensity in 12 cities, uh, this crazy tour that I got coming up starting in Las Vegas next Saturday. It's in the middle of the EDC Festival. I'm going to be rocking, man. I'm going to go nuts. Got a huge, huge uh, taping uh, for Talk is Jericho on June 21st with a secret guest. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. Hopefully it works out. Then, of course, June 27th, Boston, 28th, Reading, Pennsylvania. Remember, July 2nd, I will not be in Singapore. Okay, uh, if you bought tickets to see me in Singapore, I apologize. There was an issue with travel. I could not get from Tough Enough to Singapore in time, so I'm not going to be on the show. I will be uh, in Tokyo, July 3rd versus Finn Balor, July 4th versus Neville. 
uh, July 10th in Philly, July 11th in Pittsburgh. Got a lot of great shows coming up. I'm having a blast. I love wrestling. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but like I said, I won't be in Singapore because I'm hosting Tough Enough. That starts June 23rd, Tuesday on the USA Network. I'm not a mentor. I'm not a trainer. I'm a little bit of everything. Hosting the show, helping out. We were down at the Performance Center. We picked out the 13 final contestants for Tough Enough. And there's some, uh, so there's some good ones in. There's a couple of ringers. Actually, there's a lot of people down there. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple couple of people hired that weren't even in the uh, top 13 because there's that many quality uh, people and quality athletes and a lot of potential down there. Uh, also, speaking of quality, Fozzie live in Des Moines, Iowa, June 25th, at the Bel Air Ballroom, June 26th at the Hard Rock Hotel in Sioux City, Iowa, July 24th at the Square in Kitchener, Ontario, August 8th, the Festival of Friends in Hamilton, Ontario. August 9th, Heavy Montreal in Montreal. And, of course, October 30th, the Kiss Cruise. And then November 12th, we start the Cinderblock Party Tour. The next leg in Europe, in the U.K., go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket information, all VIP information. So much stuff to talk about. I appreciate you guys being here with me now. Uh, thanks to Vanilla Ice, and thanks to Dusty Rhodes for being such a great influence on so many people. And thanks to all of you uh, for supporting me, supporting my sponsors, including Koyos, Nature Box, Me Undies, True Car, DDP Yoga, Amazon. That's it. Stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. And we'll see you on Friday for my Tough Enough co-host, yeah, Renee Young is going to be here, man. And she is a trip. She's hilarious. We're excited to have her on. I'll see you then. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. That's right, baby. Boom.